Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dollars and Cents podcast. We have again with us Timothy, Managing Editor of Dollars and Cents. Thank you. And Kang Hyung, Hi. Editor of Dollars and Cents. Okay, so today we have a very interesting topic that we're going to discuss. Fresh out from the oven. So we're going to tackle what uh, many of you would have heard on the news recently, um, Go Chok Tong. Um, for those of you who don't know what he mentioned, here's uh, his quote. So, where do you want to get your ministers from? From people who earn only $500,000 a year, whose capacity is $500,000 a year. When I look for ministers, anybody who is paid more than half a million, I won't take them. You are going to end up with very mediocre people who can't even earn half a million dollars outside to be our minister. So, this quote is very interesting and uh, Timothy actually wrote an article on it. So, we're going to post the first question to him. Tim, why, why do you decide to write an article? And what, what is the title of your article? Maybe you can share with our listeners. Uh, firstly, a uh, nice impression of what Go Chok Tong tried to say. I don't know if he actually said it in that way. Uh, uh, I just pulled out this quote from your article actually. So uh, I said it verbatim. Maybe I have a very different voice and tone to what Go Chok Tong used. Uh, okay, I mean, just to, just to make uh, reference to why I wrote the article... To be honest, I think this article actually came a lot later than when the code first came out. Mm. And, and I think by the time this article was written and even published on Dollars and Cents, this article, by the way, the title is Paying $500,000 and more a year for ministers isn't enough to guarantee you top talents. So I think the point that we're trying to raise, which is quite different from what a lot of the guys in the mainstream media were, were trying to say, is that uh, a lot of the mainstream media talked about, you know, the code, you know, what he meant, what he doesn't meant. I, I think mm. the point we're trying to stress here it's that the whole idea that paying more gets you better talent or that a talented person or a competent person is someone who's probably going to earn more mm -hmm. i think that's why we wrote the article and that's what we're trying to explore whether that really is true in singapore we're kind of like groomed from young to, to think that someone who earns more or someone who has a higher net value is usually more successful or more capable than someone else who isn't yeah i wouldn't say a very singaporean mindset but I guess it's prevalent throughout the world, but more so in Singapore, right? So what do you think are maybe some of the reasons this is the case? I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I haven't gone in depth to do research about mm. this whole situation. But I think it's something that could have been said to, you know, when we we're young in school, a lot of us were graded just based on our grades, our yeah. results. So if yeah. you score well, you're a good student. Mm -hmm. If you don't score well, if you don't do as well in your exams, typically you are seen as not so good a student. Obviously, you know, you could be good in other areas. You know, there might be some provision for the fact that, hey, you know, yeah. you are not the best scorer in terms of results, but you're excelling in sports or music. But generally speaking, we want to see students score well. Okay. And I think that mindset translates itself into the working world where, yes, you could be doing good in, in your career, but generally speaking, we still want to see people earn more. And that higher salary somehow equates into the person being more successful. Okay, okay. Let, let me throw this question to Kang Yang now to get him into the conversation. So, does a person's salary equate to his capability? In other words, if a person earns $500,000, is he less capable from someone who's earning $1 million a year? I think obviously from Timothy's article, he gave example of sports where the athletes at the highest levels from different sports actually earn drastically different amounts of money and obviously they can't be compared totally different and it's not a measure of one's worth 
Maybe, since ESM Go isn't here to defend himself, <laughs> I shall he, 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 Maybe he, he should be here, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we he, wish, we wish. Maybe in the future shows. Uh, if he's listening, he should be on it, really. Let me play the ESM's advocate. So, I'm by no means expressing my own view. Let me just try and perhaps extrapolate what uh, ESM Go might have meant for the purposes mm-hmm. of discussion. Sure. In his quote, if you notice, he actually talks about having very, very mediocre people who can't even earn a million dollars, right? Yeah. 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 So I think that's the part that got a lot of people maybe not say riled up, but taken aback that they, they start valuing themselves based on how much they earn. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He isn't saying that the more you earn, the more qualified you are as a minister. In a free market, logically, no company would pay you more than the economic value that you are generating. So obviously, if you're not producing a million dollars worth of output or economic value mm-hmm. or strategic value, no company will pay you a million dollars. Perhaps as a minister, someone who has the qualifications and experience to hit a ministry or the stack boards and other government organizations, you need to be a person that could possibly generate a million dollars in economic value. So what do you think of this perspective? So actually, you're trying quite interesting point actually because you're trying to say that okay, maybe he he may not be capable. Let's not talk about like whether he is guaranteed to be capable, more capable than someone else. But if he is capable of earning a million dollars and generating an economic value of a million dollars for himself, you would want him in your ministry. No, I think you, I think you want him to lead a company yeah. that's going to make profits. Yeah, yeah not exactly. not necessarily to lead. Exactly. That was the point I'm coming to. He's gonna gonna put like a person who can maximize the value in the government. So is that really all the kind of people that we want in the government? That is the next point, right? Yeah. yeah. So so I think the flaw with what Kang Hyung is suggesting here is that if you want a person whose economic value in the private sector, let's just put it that way, yeah. it's at least a million dollar to lead mm-hmm. your ministry, and hence you pay him a salary of equivalent to that amount. Yeah. Then I would say then that person is the right person to lead a business who wants to maximize profit. That person. You know, there are a lot of business owners in Singapore, I think, who would probably earn that amount or more successful business owners. They should be leading businesses that want to maximize profit. I don't think the government entities are similar, are built in a structure like that. Let's just say a civil engineer, a top experienced civil engineer who is doing really well in his space and, and perhaps in the industry that he is in, it's just impractical that someone would be able to earn a million dollars. But that doesn't mean that he's any less capable than someone whose economic value out there could be a million dollars, two million dollars or more. For the purpose of argument, this person who is a great civil engineer, he probably isn't in charge of hundreds and hundreds of architects and other engineers under him having to set directions and train people and foster. And and neither is a lawyer and neither is a lawyer who earns two million dollars. That's true. So what makes the lawyer better than the top civil engineer? So you're, no, you're trying to say the lawyer is at the peak of his industry. And he might be any... The engineer is at the peak of his industry. So being at the peak of both their industry, the lawyer will definitely earn more than... Let's just put this $500,000 arbitrary figure. The lawyer will definitely earn more than it. And the civil engineer may not, right? At, at least in Singapore. At least in Singapore, yeah. yeah. So yeah, what would you say? I mean, being on yeah. the, the, the advocate or Go Chok Tong's advocate side, Okay, this is a very interesting point. I don't think anyone is saying that salary is the only criteria for choosing a minister. Agree. Right? I don't think we are. are. So perhaps ESM Go, he's not saying that the $2 million person, a lawyer that earns $2 million is going to be a better minister than a top civil engineer who earns much less. But perhaps he wants to cast a wide net. In other words, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, 
let's just say bring it down to our level million dollar salaries are not our level so in in terms of the lay person's perspective yeah. if you are hire a best the best person for a job let's just say there's a pool of 100 potential candidates if you say i only want those who have a degree you know you have limited that pool of 100 capable people potential hires to say 60 it doesn't mean that the 40 people who do not have a degree will make any worse uh, hire but you're also not saying that uh, oh just because you have a degree you are among that 60 i will hire you yeah. so i think esm go is saying that we want to have a large pool of capable people and from there the government obviously will have their own selection criteria uh, i don't think that saying how much you are willing to offer to attract someone to your company is the same as saying that hey you know you need to be a degree holder to join our company i, I think it's two completely different things so I, I understand yeah. the argument of trying to expand your pool by offering more yeah. I, I understand the argument of that a simple question then will be asked going to successful companies like google facebook why don't they pay more if they they could and they definitely could mm-hmm. to get even better engineers the whole idea being that paying more will give you the best. But why don't they pay more since they are obviously profitable enough to do so? I think there's a lot more to attracting talent than just being able to say, I can go out there to dangle high salary. I think one part of what Kami was trying to say is that we bring it down to our level again. I'm not sure how much our, our listeners might be earning, but at our level, at least we, we talk about thousands. Lah, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's relatable. Yeah. So let's say a company wants to hire a person and they put a cap of like, 3,000. So that's kind of limiting anyone who is already earning 4,000 but kind of like more qualified or, or you kind of want him for that particular role because he's more suited actually. For, for other reasons, it, it doesn't have to be for salary reasons only but to attract him, you kind of have to offer that kind of salary. And by capping it at 5,000 or 4,000 or 300 or whatever level we are going to cap it at, you're not going to be accessible to, to this level, these people of higher level. You mean the elites? La. The, the top earners in Singapore. The, yeah. the top earners in Singapore. The top, the top earners, yeah. Right, right. Oh, so so none asks, okay, I think there's a difference between saying that look, $500,000 is not enough or $500,000 is enough and $3,000 is enough. A take-home salary or a salary of $3,000 is below the medium salary in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Earning a million dollars or more puts you in the top 0.1 percentile in, in Singapore. So I think we got to look at the range in a more realistic tone. I think what I'm trying to suggest here is that if you're talking about money being a necessity to attract the top talents in the space, I would say that, okay, let's just put it that way, okay? Yeah, I'm just going to, I found some statistics on, okay. on IRAS. Yeah. I can just wow. share briefly about some of these statistics. As of year of assessment 2016, mm-hmm. only about 5,500 people in Singapore earn a million dollars or more. Okay. So putting governmental minister salary, I'm not sure what's the range, but mm-hmm. let's just put it as a million dollar for a full minister, let's say one million dollar. Okay. Abuse yourself to 5,000 more people in Singapore. Okay. Okay. So that's my point. Yeah, but just... it gives you five thousand more people in Singapore. These are tax residents. These are not necessarily Singapore citizens. Only five thousand four hundred and ninety-five people earn a million dollar or more in year of assessment twenty sixteen. So you get that five thousand extra. People. Yeah, and to fill twenty positions, five thousand more potential candidates. No, so so the minister not... salary is being paid. Yeah, I'm just saying. Let's just say it's a million dollar for full ministers. I know yeah. that Wing Kong is earning lesser than that. Yes. Yeah. Would give you that extra five thousand people. It's to appeal to that extra five thousand people. Is that a fair argument? I mean it might and, be and if those might and if those, but no, and those if, guys yeah. are the elites and, and, and if they, they were for a reason. And if they want to serve, 
Yeah. They can serve at a million dollars or less. Yeah. But if they want to make their million dollars, they can stay in the private sector. Okay, but what is your opinion? Do you think there needs to be a cap in the first place or should we just approach these people and if they are suitable, offer them a fair salary? That's the, that's the part about private sector versus public sector, right? I don't think anyone's going to cap Elon Musk's salary. I would think nobody is going to mm-hmm. do so. I don't think anyone is going to cap the, the salary of the DBS CEO. Yeah, right? If DBS does well, he's going to earn more. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's private sector approach. Yeah. And same thing for athletes. Nobody's going to cap Cristiano Ronaldo's salary. Mm-hmm. So we have that. In the public sector, you can't have that. Simple as that. Why is that true? Well, because the public sector... Yeah, what are you going to base your profits on? Performance on? You look through, I asked, I look through like some way that the government is currently remunerating its, its people. Sure. They do have kind of like variable bonuses yeah. as well and, and performance bonus and national bonus. So there are all this framework already in place to yeah. set a KPI on these ministers. So the framework for measuring their success is kind of there actually. Yeah, and that needs to be good enough for them, if, if they do a good job, if the economy is doing well, they get three months for that money. If not, then perhaps one month. Okay, sure. But what about the caps and the limits on, on salary, right? What if they do extraordinarily well? Should we pay them 10 million for the year? Obviously not. If not, they, they should be going to the private sector. So we shouldn't look at Singapore as a company, basically. We shouldn't. Because there's, it's, it's, there's a lot of heart that goes into it. A lot of yeah. social aspect of being being able to volunteer your, your services for the country. It, it has to be. It has to be, in my opinion. And, and we may not necessarily want people that are only able to develop the most economic value. There needs to be a heart to it, right? I, I think so. Um, I, I can't say, I mean, this is not meant to be a conversation about what the appropriate salary is, okay? Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that a million dollars is too much or too little. Perhaps some people think it's too little. But I'm just saying that you've got to look at the salary that we pay with reference to how much the rest of Singapore is making. So mm-hmm. my point earlier on about, you know, tax assessment is that, you know, at a million dollar, you know, you only have about 5,000 people who earns more, at least on paper, in Singapore. So that yeah. is not a huge population size, $5,000. And if these people really want to serve, they can always, you know, choose to serve at a lower salary. But of course, if you reduce that salary of a million dollar down to, yeah. say, 50,000 a year, so that's about 4,000 yeah. plus. A manga, roughly, you know, something that I'm familiar okay. with. Okay. Okay. Then you are looking at about, based on my calculation, about um, close to a million people who would have to take a step down to serve. Okay. I mean, in a way, it kind of seems to me like, and Gang can jump in here if you want, a $500,000 or $1 million range, it sounds like the government is placing a, a value on these people. Like like how, you know, in, in the local term or in, or in our terms, like if you have a degree, employers not knowing you will just know, okay, this guy is capable, got first class honours degree from NUS. Similarly, in that bracket, right, of the, of the upper echelons of the government and top earners, like, oh, if you earn 500000 or you earn a million, that, that is their degree. Okay, this guy is capable he should earn that amount yeah. Yeah. kind of like putting putting a tag or title on it the interesting thing about this whole debate is that uh, ESM Go isn't saying that the ministers are being paid too little he was just actually pushing back against residents who suggested that minister salary are too high and to fund uh, social programs and all that you know they mm. could be cut and that guy suggested other things like defense and all, which uh, you know, ESM go actually rebutted one by one. Sure. And when it came to the minister's salary, he says that the reason why we shouldn't slash the minister's salary is because we do not want to close ourselves off to a pool of talents. That's how it came about. So and this isn't a debate about how much ministers should be paid. Yeah. But I just want to point out that like, I did some uh, digging into, into this. Uh, 
a little bit and it's quite worrying to me to find that you know back in 2011 might say i'm dragging up history a little bit but there was this PAP MP uh, minister Lim Wee Kiat he was quoted saying that if the annual salary of a minister of information communication and arts is only 500,000 only oh okay only he said only, okay, okay okay that's shocking <laughs> but okay yeah it may pose some problems when he discusses policies with CEOs of telco companies who earn millions of dollars because they need not listen to the minister's ideas and proposal. Hence, a reasonable payout will help to maintain a bit of dignity. Okay, I just want to say before we, we jump on this statement, right? Oh, oh, oh. Yep, yep. He has since apologized for making such okay, statements, okay. but I'm just worried that this is kind of like the mindset that people have, that, right? That not only people have, but kind of people in our government maybe have and, and that we may want to have this conversation to break such mindsets. I, I think it's important and I, I'm glad you brought up this point. It's an important reminder that we should not feel looked down upon. We shouldn't look down on people. We shouldn't down. look down on people or we shouldn't look down on them yeah. just because we earn more or less than another person. And putting yourself worth in how much you earn, it's a disaster and the fact that the minister apologised simply shows that he, he understands that what he said wasn't really true. But that's, what about the mindset? Do you think that's prevalent though, actually? I personally think it's just a reflection of what a lot of people also feel so. Yeah. So like if my brother earns four times my salary and he doesn't, just for your information, he's not four times more talented than me, you know. He maybe he just makes some better choices. Extracting the most economic value of the yeah. situation, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's, we've mentioned at the start of the program that that's not always what we're looking for. That's not only what we're looking for. Yeah. Okay, I um, just want to bring up a couple of other points before we end off. One of the main things we didn't touch on yet, but of course it's kind of a big thing, especially when talking about government salaries, is the notion of corruption, right? And that's always been a narrative we've been fed. What would you say? Like Maybe the higher the salary, the, the less the corruption. I mean, Singapore is a pretty non-corrupt or low-corrupt country. I think this is a sensitive topic and I agree with you, so I need to tread carefully about what I say here Unless as you well. need to apologise for your statements. <laughs> Otherwise, I, mean, I might be the next person apologising for this. I think, if, if I recall correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong or if anyone out there knows I'm wrong, I think Lee Kuan Yew was the one who first said about this thing. And, and okay. you know, I, I stand corrected if I'm wrong on this. And the whole idea that high minister salary would lead to lower corruption because, you know, there's a lot more to lose. Logically, it makes sense. Yeah. I, I'll just put it, logically, it makes sense. It's just like paying me right now $100,000 a month and saying that it's, it's going to make me less likely to jump ship. There is logic to that statement. But I think it's also a sensitive topic because it suggests that the absence of corruption is good enough to be rewarded. I think corruption is illegal. And you shouldn't be doing it regardless of whether you have, you're have you compensated or you're not compensated. And I think it's a bit of a sensitive topic to suggest that, you know, just because I'm not corrupted or I don't want someone to be corrupted, I should reward him for doing so. Mm, what yeah. do you guys think? Okay, I don't think anyone in government mm. will disagree with you. Yeah. The logic is sound. Yeah. But we all also know that our founding father, Lee Kuan Yew, is a very pragmatic man. Okay. So, yeah. while he believes exactly, as what you say, you know, he's... Uh, and you maybe, so just to cut in, yeah, um, please, just stay on your face, please. Train of thought, but just to cut in there, I think when maybe he implemented the higher yeah. salaries, salaries were much lower back then. Also. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I don't recall the exact numbers, but I seem to know that it wasn't a hundred times more than the lay people. Okay. You know? I, I'm not sure the exact figures, but okay. maybe... So, we need to check so, that out as yeah, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah, that's what we were saying. Saying that, I'm sure he, he also agrees that, you know, corruption is wrong, no one should do it, whether people can find out or not. Uh, but as a pragmatic person, perhaps when you worry about your livelihood, your family's livelihood, needing to take care of them, and you worry about the bread and butter issues, you might 
be you know in the weaker moments you might succumb to, to corruption perhaps and in order to prevent that in the nation's highest office to ensure that you know all high level government ministers and civil servants are well taken care of so that they can focus themselves on running the country bringing singapore to prosperity perhaps this was the concerns and the rationale for for making such a comment yeah yeah that's a very good point because come back to edwin tong you know like i mean he was quoted by Go tong i mean i mean yes. mm go so let's say you are in a situation and you earn two million dollars yeah. or anyone else for that matter and then suddenly you are asked to take five hundred thousand you would have shifted your lifestyle to to be in that two million dollar range of, of earnings you know then to yeah. go down to like a quarter of it i mean five hundred thousand sounds a lot but imagine if i ask you to quarter your pay now yeah because you, you're already living at this lifestyle maybe it doesn't matter how much maybe okay. at that level people would say come on you know but yeah. okay just think about it this way you quarter your livelihood can you survive on it maybe not immediately and maybe you might say no you know okay yeah i mean firstly i think um Mr. Edwin Tong is probably the best person to answer that question. And, and obviously, he made his decision, which is that he is able to sustain on a quarter of what he used to earn. And, and I think all Singaporeans would like to thank him for that. Yeah, and, and so he has made his decision. Um, so uh, there's no debate there about whether he's able to live on a quarter of what he used to make. Mm-hmm. But back to your question, we need to look at the absolute amount. So asking yeah. someone who earns a few thousand dollars a month I, right I now totally agree. to quarter to earn a quarter yeah. of that is... Uh, showcasing you that if you're earning two million, you may inflate your lifestyle also. You, know? you, you may, and, and then that leads to the question of whether a person who needs more than $500,000 to survive, Clinton obviously isn't such a person, mm. you know, is really the right person heading a ministry in the first place because statistically, millions of Singaporeans live below that. Sure, sure. Okay, we're, we're kind of overrunning, but I just want to go one last point because we all, always went to our Facebook to, to kind of comb through some of the comments yeah. that, that are there. Timothy, you mentioned in your article also that Apple kind of underpays its employees compared to its peers in the industry, but it's still able to attract more talented people than its peers, you know. And one of the reasons is maybe because of its brand equity, maybe because of the career prospects that yeah. people Who will, wouldn't want to work in Apple? Yeah, that people working in Apple will enjoy. So, one of our Facebook commenters um, on our article, Ai Tong Tian. <laughs> He's my friend, by the way. Okay. But I'll let him know that he was yeah, So, let him know that he was <laughs> So, he mentioned on Facebook that... Okay, Apple is able to do this because of, I'm not quoting verbatim. Yeah. Okay? Um, I'm just saying he kind of alluded to Apple being able to do this because of high brand equity that it yeah. holds, um, both for consumers. That means people want to work for a company that consumers know, and both and, and the other part is to further your career. So you work at Apple, you'll be dealing with the highest end, highest tech. Yeah. Okay, so does the Singapore government have the same pool? This again is a tricky question. I'm not a political expert. Um, the only thing I can say is that from a financial standpoint, given how much our leaders are being paid, which obviously everyone knows is the highest in the world. The only thing I can say is that I'll be surprised if they have problems attracting the top talent from the private sector because the pay scale is obviously already geared towards high earners and there really is no excuse for getting the best. Um, if they are not able to get the best, then it's really a, a situation of whether people won't even want to join either the government yeah. or perhaps it's the party. So, Colonel, what, what do you think? Like, I don't see a lot of private sector people kind of joining our government. Yes. What, what do you have to say about this? So, of course, the Singapore government is pretty well respected around the world. You know, it's known yes. for being super effective, corruption-free, capable, and uh, definitely caring, uh, caring very much about the future of the country. But I guess in Edwin Tong's case, 
he is one example of someone who has a genuine concerns about you know lifestyle and you know he actually mentioned that he has many dependents to that who actually rely on his income you know for their I think we can all relate to that yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly uh, and, and no, I was alluding to that when you have more resource you kind of give more so you know, it's yeah, it's fair and, and when you kind of tell other people that, okay now I can't give you as much it's also not only Cutting your life away, cutting someone else's or other Yeah, but you've got to ask stuff. yourself what kind of lifestyle the person is living, right? Yeah. So if the person is living a lifestyle, it's going to make it hard for him to adjust, adjust yeah. or to relate to what the average Singaporean is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Then, then you've got to ask yourself whether that person is the right person. Mr. Win Tong is not one of those individuals, yeah. obviously. So yeah, um, we were on the dependence portion. For someone like Erin Tong who was able to make his lifestyle change, that's great. But there might be people who were not able to make those lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And that lower salary might be a limiting factor for them in wanting to support their aspirations to join the government. Mm. And I guess public service is also pretty different from being in a private sector where you know there's a lot of public scrutiny whenever you do anything, every single word and sentence that comes out of your mouth is scrutinized. Yeah. Yeah. Like we just did, uh, we, we dragged up a 2011 quote <laughs> by one of the MPs. Exactly. I mean, it happens if you are in that position. Yeah, so I, I guess, uh, you know, even with such a so-called good brand name as a Singapore minister, there are barriers to joining mm-hmm. and perhaps this is something the government needs to seriously think about. How do we continue to lower these barriers to ensure that Singapore does have the best talents that will serve it for decades to come? Yeah. Okay, I think we have quite varied uh, views and, and we've commented quite a fair bit on it. I just want to leave you guys with one last talk before leaving. I think a lot of the time we, we kind of look at the government and they keep saying that they want to match or at least be on par with the private sector so that for various reasons not, yeah. not lose out on talent or, or not be able to speak to them on the same level okay but one of the um, interesting articles i read was that facebook mark zuckerberg earns one dollar yep hewlett packard's mick whitman earns one dollar and a fair bit of other um ceos or top top men in companies or top companies actually they're earning one dollar and the majority of their remuneration is coming through performance Yep. So, I mean, I'm just thinking if we can move towards that also, you know, I mean, the government keeps wanting to pack itself to private. I mean, these are what the biggest private companies are starting to do. Uh, do you think they will ever be willing to take $1 salary and have like variable components? I don't think so because uh, simply by the fact that you cannot compare how the private sector remunerates its top leaders yeah. with how the public sector should remunerate its, yeah. its leaders yeah. or its employees. Yeah. So I think you still need a wage structure. I'm not going to give any advice on what that amount should be. Okay, but so I, 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 I do think that you know you cannot equate public sector remuneration with private sector remuneration. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that, which is why I also think that whole comparison needs to kind of stop at the top level. So, you know, we kind of need to stop saying we need to pack our salaries to this, this, this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, any parting thoughts from you guys? No, but I am, I'll be glad to hear that. I'm sure like uh, there were about 100 over listeners in the first podcast. Yeah, I, I yeah. think we will have more listeners this time around. But you know, I'll be, I'll be glad to hear you know, the, the views or the opinions on, on anyone. That's, that's right, guys. Um, to comment or give us some of your opinions and feedback, um, always shoot us an email at podcast at dollarsandcents.sg. So we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, if you're seeing something right, seeing something you don't like, let us know, you know. If you're Edwin Tong or Go Chok Tong, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, All right. See you guys.